Welcome back to the Ground Floor Podcast. Uh, our guest today is a really exciting one. He's an entrepreneur, a business coach and public speaker, a member of the Forbes Coaches Circle and the founder and host of the Business Growth Secrets Podcast. So without further ado, please welcome Adam Stott. Brilliant. Really pleased to be here. Can't wait to have a chat. Yeah, yeah. nice to have you on. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here, man. Um, so for anyone that might not know you, just take sort of a few minutes, uh, just sort of summarize, you know, what your background is, how you got into what you're doing and, and what it is you're about. Okay, so I've been in business now since uh, 2008, started my first business in 2008, many years ago. It seems like a long journey. Yeah. Um, I built that first business to a very large business, about 40 million in revenue, 120 staff, five sites. What business was that? Um, that was an automotive business okay. or- originally. Well, it started off as a finance business, but that's another story. And then we moved into automotive. Right. Uh, from there, I uh, started and founded my company, Big Business Events, which uh, trains business owners on how to grow their business. So very topical about what we're going to be talking about today yeah and um, we help thousands of businesses to grow and really we're all about the practical and i know that's what you guys want to want to get across and yeah very much like we're all about the practical how do we take people in a step-by-step way to results uh, we've grown hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of businesses into multi-million pounds and we have a really good system and process for doing that. And, and obviously, I've been podcasting like you guys for, mm. for, for, for I think, 300 episodes now. Had a lot of good guests. And, yeah. you know, it's been, uh, you know, been an amazing ride. So looking forward to talking to you both today. That's amazing, man. Hell of a story. It is a hell of a story. So I suppose before we go into or diving into big business events, which is obviously the company you're running yeah. at the moment, can you just give us a bit of a premise as to sort of what you're up to maybe after you? Because I know you left school. Was it 16? You left school? Was yeah. That right? So <laughs> what, was the, what was the kind of the pretense? Right? <laughs> I was the worst student that that ever there ever was join the club, I think. yeah you're not the first guest to say <laughs> so join the club there's an interesting pattern that seems well, yeah. to be happening I on was, this pod I was a horrible 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 student you know I was terrible at school I was a rebel um, you know, often actually, uh, you mentioned the TV program that I was on recently, and after I did that program, you would be astonished at how many of my old classmates were like, oh my God, I can't believe that's you, Adam. Yeah. I can't believe you're doing that, because they just knew me to be a, a rebel. Um, I didn't finish school, I didn't attend most of the exams and things like that. I only got one GCSE, the others I didn't attend, I got used in them all. What was the one um, you... What one I got was a, a B in drama. Okay. And actually, I enjoyed that subject. I got a B in <laughs> yeah. drama as well. Did you okay. really? I did. Yeah. Oh, well, there yeah. you go, well done. <laughs> Yeah, so, and, and actually, I remember being really irritated that I didn't get an A. I thought I deserved an A. I had the same feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs Oxford or Cambridge well, uh, at this yeah, point? You know that's I mean? it, you know? And yeah. uh, I did enjoy that subject. So I really enjoyed that subject. And, and other than that, I left school. I did terrible jobs for a couple of years. Um, one of the things, you know, I've got some good strengths, but I've also got some weaknesses, as we all do have. Mm. And one thing is, I am not good at building. I'm not good at anything with my hands. I'm not good at putting pictures up, any of that kind of stuff. And the first jobs I did for a couple of years was just doing building jobs, labouring jobs, and yeah. you know, I sucked at them. I was right. no good. And and I did that for a little while until I got my first shot at a, uh, a sales job, which is a story in itself. And, and I really fell in love with uh, with selling. I fell in love with sales. You know, for the first time in my life, probably aged 18, um, I found sales and it was something I was good at. Mm. And and it really, from there, I, I honed that skill and honed that skill. And I worked in a number of different sales roles and sales jobs. I was really successful uh, to the point when, uh, you know, fast forward, age 25, I took the leap to start my own business. And, and that, that's kind of where I, where I started from at age 25. And since then, I've run multiple different businesses, you know, with ups and downs and challenges mm. as everybody has, mm. um, but created some really good results along the way. 
And you touched on it earlier about it being starting as a finance business and moving into automotive. Can you just go into a bit more detail around what the business was that you started initially? So so I started my first business in 2008. um, And the idea that I had, I'd been working for another automotive company, BMW. And when I was working at BMW, it was... um, it was, I was really loving it, actually. I was really enjoying the role. I was enjoying the environment. I was loving what I was doing. And I was getting loads of success, and I was super hyped. But the following year, I came in, and I started work with a plan, and I was going to increase my earnings, and I was going to do this, and I was going to do that, super motivated. And I just found that I'd hit a glass ceiling because they put a new pay plan in front of me, which was basically you are going to earn half the amount that you earned last year, next year. Like a commission cap. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, the worst thing you can do with a sales. Okay, I didn't know they had did that sort of thing. Yeah, and I was just, I was deflated. Yeah. And I kind of made my mind up in that moment. There was a few tough conversations around it. And I, I remember one manager sort of saying to me, hey, look, you know, um, I'm, like, I'm the top salesperson here. I'm earning the most money here. You knew, you, you know, you've been holding me up as the flagship. And he was kind of like, well, you know, but for what we pay you, we'll just get rid of you and we'll get four in instead and we'll just split the sales. So their attitude was really, and, and yeah. I just sort of like, I want to, and I'd always wanted to start my own business. I'd been very much into personal development for quite a long time at that point. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to do this. And just the time was right. I made the leap and it's 2008. I started a finance business. So what I started off doing was introducing finance agreements for assets. So that could be cars, it could be printers, it could be caravans, it could okay. be any type of asset. And I partnered with companies like Lombard and ING and some of the biggest companies out there in the marketplace. And within three to four months of starting my business, quitting my job, selling my house to fund it, um, wow. there were people queuing up outside Northern Rock and every single asset finance lender in the market just pulled out. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so okay. it was just yeah. like... Talk uh, about perfect timing. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it was, it, was, uh, yeah. it, was, it was a good lesson because I had two choices at that point. Do I go with my tail between my leg back to my job mm. and, and, and really go and... Uh, but I just couldn't do that. Like, it wasn't in my DNA. I, for me, I just... Once I've moved forward, I've moved forward. And I just knew I wasn't going to do that. So I had to find another way. Uh, so I took some of the money. I started buying some cars, selling some cars. I started growing that business. And, you know, for a, for a long period of time, I created a business that was um, really, really successful for a long time. Had its ups and downs, of course. But during the period of running that business, it was voted into the 1,000 Business to Inspire Britain, three years running for the wow. London Stock Exchange. Uh, fast, uh, Sunday Times' fastest growing company. And, and yeah, it was, it was a journey. So I think that's obviously a really exciting thing because you've obviously transitioned from something that could have been a massive like as you said you could have gone back with your tail between your legs and you've taken that risk so for someone that might be thinking why well, love cars or even i love sales or both what was the first step in terms of okay i'm bending off the finance company i'm gonna sell cars what's the very first thing that you do like what, how did you get your first sale so the first uh, first thing you do is panic <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough yeah, yeah. Uh, and look let's be real about it you know and, and as we, t- we talk about the business I run now as well and the, the journey of starting that. But in that particular business, um, I remember, for me, it was a, I had cultivated over a period of time working in different roles and jobs, a quiet resilience and a quiet determination. And I probably didn't know that. I wouldn't have been able to intellectually say that, mm. that I had that, but the resilience and that I had was, hey, I'm going to succeed. Yeah. I, I did not do this to try 
I did this to win. And even when I was in my mum's spare bedroom with no one calling me, no one wanting to do business with me, begging for business, I never, ever thought that I wouldn't succeed. Mm. Not for one minute. I, 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 I didn't even, I, I of course thought it, but then I beat that thought out of my head and said, absolutely, do not think that. You are going to win. Mm. And that I just kept telling myself that you will win, you will win, you will win. So when things like that happened earlier on, I, I tapped into that resilience and I just told myself, hey, you know, we're going to have to do mm. something different to get something different. And I went out and I thought, how else can I make money? Because I yeah. need to make money. And I thought, well, we'll try buying this car. And I sold that car. I was like, okay, this works. And how can I do more of this? And how can I upscale it? And how can I bring other people in to mm -hmm. do this for me? And, and I started building the business from there in that way. Okay. And how did you mm -hmm. work out the margin that you could make on each car? Because if you're looking at cars on Autotrader, for example, you say a car's worth £10,000 or for sale for £10,000. Yeah. How do you then know that you can go and sell that car for 11, 12, 13? Well, this is the thing. In the beginning of a business, and I wouldn't recommend that people do it the way I did it back then because this is me as a newbie not knowing anything about business, right? right? So for me, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really look at all that. I didn't try to get it right. I think that that's a, the important thing to understand. I wasn't trying to get it right. I was like, right, okay, well, if I buy it for 10 and I sell it for 11, I make a grand happy days. I'm a grand better off than I was. Yeah. And that's obviously not the way to do it. Yeah. You know, you've got to be more strategic than that, but that's all I knew. And you don't know what you don't know. And that's what I knew at the time. And then I learned as I went along and I had no coaching. I had no mentoring. I had no... Uh, people to help me I had no people around me I only had the experience that I'd had previously working in automotive roles so I'd worked for BMW I'd worked for Ford so I had some knowledge yeah but I I didn't really have any mentoring or coaching which is why what I do now I'm so passionate about because we can help people learn things that took me five years to learn in five minutes yeah yeah you know which yeah. is obviously invaluable yeah um so, you know, you're at that point, you know, you buy your first car, are you literally sort of parking it on the road outside your house? Did you have like a storage space? <laughs> yeah, how'd, yeah. You, how'd you find who to sell it to? Yeah, in the, in the beginning, um, yeah, it's exactly that. I, I was the very first business right at the beginning. I was working out of my mum's spare bedroom. Um, the finance company obviously didn't work out and that was a, a bit of a, a blow. Mm. And then I went out and uh, I purchased some, some cars from auction and they were parked outside the house and... Then I prettied them up, put them on Auto Trader, put them on the usual things, and took them to market. And then when the first sale was done, I had a few that I won, I had a few that I lost, and mm. you know it was it was kind of working it out as you go along. And I think the lesson in this is it's not obviously the most valuable lesson that I can serve someone with, but I think that the the lesson is is that you got to take action. You know, I think so many people just don't take action. They'll be paralyzed. Oh, what if I buy that car and I don't sell it? Yeah. You know, what if I buy mm -hmm. that car and it's damaged? Or what if I buy that car and it's like, oh, I don't know if I can buy that car. All the fear. I think that being an entrepreneur means that fear, you, you really have two choices. You, and your choice, one choice is fear. The other choice is success. You can't have both you are going to have to say goodbye to one of them. Mm -hmm. So that's the choice that you're faced with at some stage. So which one do you want? Do you want the success or do you want the fear? Because one's got to go. Mm. That's right. a good way of looking at it. Actually. Yeah, that's you know, a very good way of looking at it. I think that's one of the main reasons why people don't end up doing their own thing, whatever that might be, is the fear of either not knowing how to do it or fear of failure. Definitely. Yeah, and I just think everybody is, 
you know, you only live once, right? Or as far as we know, you only live once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not offend anybody <laughs> religiously, <laughs> but you know, yeah. we as far as we know, you only live once. And and the bottom line is, why I, I I'm I'm not. I think you've got to take small risks, educate risks to a degree. I mean, I did have some experience, so I kind of did feel that I knew a little bit. But and I you made knew a the lot sector of as well. Yeah, you worked in the area. Yeah, and and this is the thing. I went into that business because I knew the sector. Hmm. And had I know what I know now, that would not be the business that I start. Hmm. Right? No, no way. Because if you look at an automotive industry, you look at a car business, their net margin is three percent. Like a really good car business earns a 3% margin. So that means that you, after everything's paid and everything's done, mm. you're keeping 3%. Mm. Well, I don't want to be in a business like that. And a lot of people question me when I came out of the car business and, yeah. you know, it's like, are you mad? You built this huge business and things like that. But the bottom line is there are other businesses, there are other vehicles that can collect you a lot more than 3%. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of vehicles that can collect you 20%, 30%, 40%. Do you want to be in a business where you keep four pound out of the 10 mm. or would you want to be in a, a, a business where, you know, you, you literally collect 30 P out of mm. 10 pound. Yeah. Which one do you want to be in? Yeah. No. And I think that understanding the margins of sectors and industries mm. is an important thing. And not enough people even consider that when they're, when they're looking at businesses, so you got to establish what marketplace is the right marketplace to be. It's like we had a conversation when I walked in and I said, well, media is a great business yeah. to be in. You know, media is the only business where you produce and release and you've done your fulfillment in the moment you release it, mm-hmm. where that's not the same, is it? If, yeah. if you're, you know, if you're selling milk, you produce the milk, you can store the milk, you've got to sell the milk. It's a, it's a slower process. Yeah, Whatever buy, business buy you're more in. milk. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. And, and you've got to pay the person to stir them, all, all that, right? So understanding sectors, understanding business in that way is very important as well. So what was the turning point then for the automotive business? When did it start to click? So really the the turning point, I mean, there was, it's a, such a such a journey, mm. um, which I've spoken a, a lot about over the years, but it's such a journey. Um, and, and really for me, what happened with the, with the automotive business is I worked really, really hard. And this is the advice that I, I would give um, business owners coming in, is I worked really, really hard in the early days to establish good relationships with people. Um, really, really hard. And I found some really key relationships with key people that were much more influential, much more um, connected than me. And I spent time with them. I served them. I helped them. I gave them value. And in return, they gave me introductions and they helped me along the way. And and that was my first turning point. And, and really, you know, those the first 10 people that were really influential for me that I built relationships with as clients um, helped me to do my first million in sales. So just to, just yeah. to cut in there, cause that's a, I think that's a great point. Um, and I think I'm sure a lot of people will be thinking when you say that, like, I'm not sure, I don't know anyone. How would I even go about finding those influential people? What would you sort of, what would you say to that? Well, the, the way that I found the influential people is I, I, I tried to, every single person that I came into contact with, I looked at how can I help that person? How can I serve that person? How can I give them value? And it's like I said to you when I come in a minute ago, is I'm always like, how can I put more goodwill Mm. in the bank with just more people? Mm. That's what gets everybody talking about you in a good way. So if you always go to give rather than to take, 
you actually set a lot of good motion into the world, a lot of good work, goodwill. So I always looked at how could I just help people? How could I do a little bit more? How could I do a bit more? How could I do a bit more? And that was my mindset all the time. And what happened is a lot started coming back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and really then it's um, reciprocal, right? And it's not with the purpose of, of trying to create um, the reciprocal relationship. It was just with the purpose of actually, you know, I want them to have a good impression of me. I want them to to feel like I, you know, I'm a good guy. And, and, and I remember what it's like at the beginning. And I, I remember how hard it was. It was hard. You know, it was really hard. But one of the really good, I'll give you a good example, right? And this is also time. So one, go to serve. Two, you, one of the things you have at the beginning of a business, which you do not have, let's be really clear and have clarity on that, as you grow and get bigger, there's one thing you have at the beginning that you don't have when you're bigger, and that's time. Yeah. Okay, so the time just, in the end, time becomes the challenge, right? And that's what yeah. really, and then there's a new challenge of how do you, how do you get bigger return on investment for your time invested and things like that. But in the beginning, you have time. So one of the, I got introduced by a friend of mine to a really good guy. And he said, Adam, look after this guy. He's amazing. And he knows everybody. He knows everybody in this area of Essex. And you mentioned Essex earlier. Um, he knows everybody in this area of Essex. Go and build a really good relationship with him. And I'm certain um, he, he'll look after you because he's been really good for me. It was a recommendation. So I went over there. And I just went with the purpose of not trying to get anything out of him, but just how do I build a good relationship with this guy? So I went around there. I did more for him than I would ever before. I remember going around to his house and he's like, hey, uh, he's like, he was talking, he had South Parking in the background, which I thought was unusual for someone that was 45 years old. <laughs> and I said, oh, you like it? He's like, I love it. And the kids love it. So next time I went around now, I, I bought him a box set for South Park. And he was like, oh, that's, that's like really, not, he was really shocked. Yeah. He said, you want to watch some? I was like, well, all right then. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I said, sitting down watching South Park. Business is like, hard. Right. You know, yeah, no, no. Like, like, we're watching crazy. South Park and we're getting along. And we're having a good chat. He's like, oh, do you want to stay for dinner? I was like, all right. And then before I know it, I was friends with him and his whole family. And we were like pals. And then he started just introducing me to other people. And, mm. and, and he started looking after me. He did yeah. a great job. His name is Lee. And I'm still friendly with him to this day. And, and this is years and years and years ago. He's a fantastic guy. Um, and... Yeah, that, that set the wheels in motion of building a good relationship. So I invested time mm. and I I had a good mentality about how could I help the guy and how, how could I, you know, really, really build a good relationship with him. Mm. But I did that of everyone, not just because I was told he was a great prospect. Yeah. But I, I just I just took that approach into everything I did. You know, like if somebody said, well, I want my car Saturday and I'm in Scotland, I would I would drive to Scotland. Yeah, yeah. I just did whatever it took. Yeah, yeah, that was the bottom line. I grafted like an apps. Do you know it's really funny actually, and and obviously we talk about the, the, my business now yeah. as well. But what's really funny is um, there was a girl that you went a little bit later after I grew the business to a couple of million revenue. So the first year I did a million, second year I did two point nine, third year I did four point three, and I did six point eight million, went to thirteen point nine million, grew and grew and grew fundamentally on an ongoing basis and. One of the, there was a girl that used to live opposite this new office that I got that was a friend of my brother. And my brother, when I'd started to do, I think it was my brother or a friend of mine, was like, Adam's been lucky. And uh, this girl, Laura, said, let me tell you, I don't think Adam's been lucky. I've gone past that office and seen him in there every night till 11 o'clock. Mm. He's there at 11 p.m. and he's there in the morning as well. I was like, I never think he leaves that office. Like, I worked hard. Yeah. 
I really, mm. honestly, I did work really, really hard, and and that was because I was so committed. I went all in. Like when I started that business, I, was like, I will succeed. I will do whatever it takes. I'm going to give it my all, and I did. And it took a lot out of me, mm. to be honest. No, I bet. You know, it yeah, did. It took a lot out of me. I sacrificed things, and you know, my friends are going out drinking. I didn't go. My friends are playing football the weekend. I didn't play. Mm. You know, all of the things, all of the fun things that you think you would do, I sacrificed them to create um, and invest a lot of time in, in in that in the beginning. Yeah, and no, it's, it's having a longer term view, right? Yeah, you know, I think. and also like nothing worth having comes easy anyway. <laughs> and it's like I think about that. I mean, like as a comedian, all of my evenings are gone. Yeah, basically most of the yeah. time and so there's lots of things that I have to sacrifice like I'd love to see my friends more I'd love to hang out more yeah. but you have to make a choice based on like well this is this is what I want and I want to try and build something out of it absolutely and you talk about being a comedian I love that I think that's awesome so I, obviously I do um, you know I'm a public speaker that's yeah, what yeah. I do now and there's, a, a, there's some similarities and, and if you if you think about a comedian the first time you got up you were probably terrible oh yeah <laughs> he, <laughs> was, here, he was don't worry yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the footage. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> uh, and and then the next time you went up, you you probably remember the moment that they laughed, yeah. and and then you work on that a little bit, that presentation, then you get it better, and you get it better, and you get it better, and you just keep getting better and better and better and better, and and over time, you you then create something that's really compelling. And and I've actually watched a lot of the the stories of of comedians. And if you um, if you like Mickey Flanagan, for example, mm. you know honed his skills in small clubs for years and years and years and years and years. And he'd been doing that out out speech for forever. Yeah. But it was only just after a thousand times that he finally cracked it. Yeah. And and that's when he went big. And I and I think it's the and that's per- such a great bit. Perseverance, resilience, and actually commitment. Yeah, mm. no, I completely agree. And it's interesting you said earlier about the the lady living opposite saying that you weren't lucky. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just brush other people's success off by saying, oh, yeah, they were lucky mm. because they really can't see the work that goes in behind the scenes. You know, yeah, definitely. they really can't. I also think it's worth touching on um, a thing you said a second ago uh, about the relationship that you have with that guy, the South Park guy. Yeah. I think there's uh, another sort of big misunderstanding that a lot of people think, which is that like, it's okay to want something from someone. And it's also okay to want to try and offer something to them. I think a lot of people are like, you know, if you want to connect with someone and there's something you ultimately would like out of it, there's nothing wrong with that, especially if you want to offer your own value to them. I think a lot of people think, oh, that's somehow wrong or bad, or I feel guilty that I ultimately want, you know, a connection or an introduction or a deal or whatever. It's like, that's still okay. You can still offer value to someone and still want something in return without expecting something. And it's not a bad thing. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I think it's just social conditioning. Mm. And, and I think that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to understand social conditioning and how we are conditioned in that way. And once you understand that, and you start to do things in a different way, that's actually when you become a become an entrepreneur. So you know, understanding that great entrepreneurs transact. Mm. in relationships mm. absolutely there's nothing wrong with that and also i think social con- conditioning of successful people so i was saying this the other day at one of our events because i was asked a, a question from the audience about successful people and i have now spent time with spoken with been all over the world with some of the most successful people you know alive like people like Al Pacino Floyd Mayweather like seriously seriously successful people and I've got really people I count among my friends you know like Sarah Willingham from Dragon's Den and and, and lots of successful people have been around and there is this conditioning in society that successful people are mean or uh, stingy or don't want to help people Mm. or but actually 
the experiences that I have had could be nothing but the opposite. Mm. I think if you look at, even if you look at TV at the moment, it's Scrooge, you know, obviously where we are now, is yeah, Scrooge yeah. constantly on the TV, like, oh, he's mean, and yeah, he wants yeah. to do the last penny and all yeah, that. Yeah. That's the conditioning. And why do they do that conditioning? Well, because the majority of people are not successful, so it's much easier for them to be mm. portrayed in that way. But actually, the reality of successful people is they want to help more, they want to give back, and they actually want to help people, and they want to lift people up. Yeah. So one of the real key critical thing is getting around successful people, but not being intimidated because you know we all pull our genes up the same way. <laughs> you, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you know, we're yeah. all we're all just people. Yeah. And and I think as soon as people start to realise that, you know, don't get me wrong, there's successful people that are horrible people. Yeah. There's also broke people that are horrible. Yeah. People, right. You know. <laughs> yeah. And but yeah. as a generalism, but I don't think you can typecast people that are successful and Completely. say well, they're not nice people. And I think the conditioning point is a good one. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget when I was a kid. I said to, I'll never forget this. I said to my mum once. I was like, um, I was like, mum, when I get older, I'm going to marry a, a, a pretty girl. And my mum said, uh, well, but you could meet a pretty girl and she could be horrible. With what? What about a, a girl who's not very pretty but she's nice? And I remember I said, what about I'll a pretty girl? Pretty <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. <Yeah. laughs> it's going to be a hard call, mum. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but I remember I said to her, I was like, "But why can't I have a why can't I have a pretty girl who's also nice?" And my mum was like, "Oh, um, well, yeah, <laughs> good point. Yeah, I guess yeah. you can." Yeah. But again, it's that thing of like it was that conditioning of like as you yeah. said, because most people don't have that level of wealth or success, whatever it is, it's mm. easier to, to to sort of put it down as oh, well, there's probably a reason. Yeah, you know, and I know people like that. You know, certain certain people I've I've encountered, and, and you know people have you know grown up with and certain friends of family and things like that where they'll be like oh you know the rich you know it's always on well we'll never have that you know that's always that's for them that's yeah. not for us and coming yeah. from like, and again coming from like a you know a working class family that is a lot of a time the mm. attitude that a lot of people i think have from that background where it's like it's not for us it's mm. not we're never meant to have that and it's like you know you'd, you'd be surprised like yeah. i said just asking i mean we've been we've been shocked just yeah. this, take this podcast for example mm. right where we're reaching out to guests to get people on the number of conversations that we've had with very successful people who are amenable to coming on and, and, and sitting down with like yourself and doing this, you'd be amazed at what you get. As, yeah. as you said, if you just ask people, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. We don't, we, we didn't know you beforehand. We just no. asked and you were mm. kind enough to be like, yeah, I'll give some time. And even yeah. what you were saying, a little bit of a flex for you here to show how, what a nice guy <laughs> Adam is. Even before the pod. This is where it all goes down. Yeah. Here, yeah. <laughs> even before the pod, even before the pod even started, Adam was saying, he was like, look, and if I know anyone, I'm going to make a list for you and all these guests that I know. And it's like, again, it's just, just being a good guy trying to help out and give yeah. value because I remember what it's like to start yeah I do remember what it's like to start yeah it's hard yeah. it goes it a long way it can be hard yeah it does it goes a long yeah. way so um, I, I want to touch on um, the transition uh, to the new business now yeah. um, but just before we leave the automotive business as you were scaling uh, your first hire when did you know it was the time to hire someone who was your first hire how did you kind of expand it because I think that's a really exciting topic <laughs> so the first hire bless him was a, was a friend of mine yeah. Um, which is not always the best sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But bless him, he was a great guy. And actually, he's got his own skill sets in different things. But I hired him in because, you know, look, when you're growing a business, you've got eight hours in a day. If you're a maniac, you put 10 in. If you're even more mad, you put 12 in. Mm. Right, And then you're burnt out in a month. Yeah. Right? So the only way you can really grow a business is by looking at, okay, if I've got eight hours and I want to do more, I can't work 16 hours. So I've got to add another eight and I've got to buy that eight in. So that's really how you should look at hiring. How do I stack time, mm, right? Okay. And, and, and you want to stack time in that way. And I obviously didn't know that when I started. 
So I just sort of hired someone. So I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll be a bigger business if I've got people working for me, you know, it's like, like that. And, and I went and hired a, a friend and it was, a, it was a bad move. I ended up um, monitoring more what he was doing and actually right. it made me less productive. Mm. You know, that was the first, first hire I bought in. The and what was the role that you hired him for? Was it an assistant I, or I another salesman? Or? I, I, I hired him for sales. Right. Yeah, I hired him to go and get more business and to get more sales. And it didn't work. Right. right it didn't work and the second person was a salesperson and and that didn't work and then the third person at this point now i've got two salespeople. i'm the only one selling and mm. i'm feeding the other two mouths to yeah. be honest, right yeah, at the beginning yeah. and, and then i hired a uh, a really good bookkeeper actually was my my third hire mm. and uh, she came on she worked she came and worked for me and then she added a lot of value and it was really like oh my god I've got this person and she's doing loads of stuff for me and she's amazing and, you know, now I don't have to worry about the books and I don't have to worry about the money. Now I can get on with selling and, you know, she's helping as well and she's really good with the clients and that was exciting. You know, that part of it was really, really good. Could you get your time back as well? Yeah, absolutely. Case. She was fantastic and then ended up letting go of one of the salespeople and then I brought a, a good salesperson in. So I finally got a good person mm -hmm. in. And then he added value as well. And then we started to build. And I started to understand team building. I had no idea. Like Even when I was in the auto, and I worked in automotive, I never worked in management. You know, I had I had grown and developed and trained people in sales. Mm. But I'd never worked in management. So I didn't really understand how to manage people. And when I started out, I was a horrible manager, just so you know. <laughs> but but it took time. And, yeah. and eventually I got better. And then I, and then I really, and then I realized what I was good at. I'm, I'm a good leader. I'm not necessarily a good manager. Mm. What would you say were some of the most important lessons you learned through that hiring process? Good question. Don't hire your friends. <laughs> and I mean it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, and, and Sorry, Skeet, it's time to... <laughs> I don't know. Pack your bags up. Pack your bags up. Barney, if you're listening, it's time <laughs> yeah. for you to go, mate. Step up. Yeah. No, I think that if you, in a partnership, mm. it's, it's a, that's a, a different question. Right? Yeah. If, you're, if your partner's, it's a different question, but hiring your friends to go and work in your business and... Uh, and it, it just creates the wrong dynamics because you, you've got this drive, this passion to grow and grow this mm. business, giving it your all. And then you bring your friend in and there's all, already kind of these prerequisite where you're going to let them get away with more. You're going to let them do this. You can't have the hard mm. conversation. So you're just better off avoiding that. And to them, it's a job because yeah, you, you, yeah. you, yeah. yeah. you forget that it's your baby. It's not theirs. Yeah, and 100%. so if you, if you bring someone in to them, yeah. it's like, look, I've, I yeah. want to have my weekends. I want to have this. Yeah. I want to have that, mm. and, which is reasonable. Absolutely. But you, know, you can't expect them to care about it the same way you do. Absolutely. And our partnership's different. I think when you look at a partnership, you say, really, there's... Um, you know, does someone bring a different knowledge to you? Mm. I, have they got a different knowledge and skill set to what you have? Mm. That's one complementary thing. Does the person have money? So if they don't bring knowledge, do they bring money? Yeah. Because you need money to grow a business, right? right? And if they don't have money and they don't have knowledge you don't have, do they bring time? Mm. Because if you don't have the time, you need a partner that does have the time. Yeah, so you've yeah. got to look at those different things. Yeah. Um, so it's a different kind of analysis. But from an employee perspective, um, to really do that right, you need to bring the right people into the right role. And that means you as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, you need to know what you need within that business. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the time people don't. A lot of people do their first hires. It's like, oh my God, I'm manic. I've got so much yeah. on. I've got this paperwork coming over here. I've got this paper. Just come and help me. Come and yeah, help me. Yeah. They're drowning. And then they bring someone in that's like... Mediocre. Yeah, or random. They might be good, but they never get deployed in what they're good at. 
Mm. You know, which is you, you might bring good people in, but when you're in that overwhelmed state and you're just trying to yeah, just just come, and, come and help me stop yeah. me from drowning, and you might be bringing in a good salesperson to come and help you for, stop you from drowning, and then they're doing paperwork and they're crap at paperwork, so you think they're crap. Mm. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, that's where, good point. Where, you know, so it's about deploying people in the right way and in the right role and getting the best out of that person. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think what you said about partnership uh, with complementary skills is so important. I mean, we've touched on this in previous episodes, but again, and as we said just before we, we started filming, you know, uh, James and I are complete polar opposites in, in almost every way. He's, you know, he's, he's built a really successful career in the corporate world. I'm a comedian and those mm. could not be further apart and our skill sets are completely different. I'm but still that waiting is... for him to say something funny. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, that's a clip in itself right there. <laughs> But now you're yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. Am I, am I getting roasted <laughs> on my own podcast? Like, what yeah, that just happened. Yeah, yeah that just yeah. happened. Yeah. Start getting some writing some jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so cars was it you weren't yeah. in, Adam? <laughs> cars, cars, now funny. Now we have a battle. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. All right. So obviously you've built this really successful automotive business. Uh, business coaching. I'm guessing that's that was the next step. Big business events. Obviously, that's your, that's yeah, your that's business now. Um the transition, I mean, you know, do you wake up one morning and go, oh, it might be fun to teach other people what I've learned? Or did you always kind of in the back of your mind think, I'd love to teach people stuff? I started getting asked a lot during the car business because it just had that rapid growth. And a lot of people reaching out, a lot of people wanted help. Mm. I think it started to ask to go and speak a lot okay. all the time. So I was running this business and this is the thing about knowing who you are. And knowing what you like to do, which is like what you said about being a comedian and knowing actually what you want to do. Mm. You know, you, I think you said to me you were working in banking, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was working in corporate finance. For yeah, years, so yeah. putting a comedian working in corporate banking, it's just not a fit, is it? Yeah. Do, do you understand what I mean? It and was you, not. And you're, you're going <laughs> to try that. You're going to try and rebel against that. And I think that yeah. I got to the stage in the business that I was in where I grew it so rapidly and enjoyed the adventure and I'm now running a 14 million pound a year business and all my skill set is actually in growing businesses. That's what I'm great at. I'm fantastic at marketing, great at sales, great at branding, know how to really drive those things in any business. You, you know, you like literally you could quiz me on it and I can show you how to brand to get you better clients. I can show you how to market. I can show you how to sell. And, and what happened is I ended up getting stuck doing board meetings mm. and doing management meetings and, and I was just bored senseless, to be honest, for about two years before I, before I, uh, before I came out of that business. And being bored, new opportunities were coming up. And this is another thing that I will, is a bit of advice for, and, I, and I'm really glad that I came out of that business. But a lot of people can't focus long enough. Like I gave my life to that first business for, for nine years. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I gave every hour I had. Mm. I gave, I gave sacrifice the weekends, the evenings, gave everything to it. Mm. But in the end, what I'd created, I didn't like what I'd created in the end. And, and I was just like, I don't want it. And then I started getting opportunities. Do you want to come and speak in South Africa? Yes. Do you want to come and speak in America? Yes. Do you want to help these business owners grow their businesses? Yes. And I'm like, oh, God, this is what I enjoy doing. And, and I actually started to feel alive again. And I really loved it. And then I just decided, hey, this is what I want to do. Mm. And at the time with the business and despite all the growth and despite it being nine years, we were starting to hit some challenges and the finances were getting very tight and funders were pulling out the market. Mm. And it was horrible. And I just remember being in this world, was just like, oh, I, you know, and I felt really frustrated because actually I'd, I'd created this other business and, and I made the decision, the tough decision to actually close that business in the end. 
And by closing that business, you know, it was it was not the ideal ending to the business. I didn't sell it for mm. a eight figure multiple, which I should yeah. have had I mm. sold it a year earlier, I probably would have. Yeah. You know, because we had the largest following in the world on social media and I didn't. And I made a few mistakes in in that respect and I, I held on too long. And but I had started this coaching business and I loved it. And it mm. and it just it was me and, and I love doing it. And I yeah. and now I'm in this business and I've been running it since 2016 and i can honestly say i never feel like i'm working i love what i do i love helping people you know since i've started this business i've taken hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs from literally starting a business into millions of revenue mm. you know hundreds of them and and really created massive success stories and i've helped people that had no idea about business become giants in their industry and and really helped them grow through that period and it's just it I love it. Mm. I love what I do. That's a really nice story. Yeah. I mean, that, that transition makes complete sense when you when you explain it that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, with the clients that you've got coming in, I'm guessing they're from multiple industries, right? Yes. A real a real mix. Yeah. Um, so you, I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, but can't tailor the advice to each specific individual sector, right? Is that is that correct? Yeah. So I I don't do sector specific. Okay. Right. Um, we we train any industry, any business, and I train on six elements. Right. Okay. So, businesses. It doesn't matter what business you're in. There are elements that are transferable from each industry. So the the first element and the base, if you like, the baseline, which is what we ensure that anyone coming through our programs has got right, mm. is actually mastering the business owner themselves. So we want to cultivate that winning mentality in that person because now having trained thousands, the ones that win believe they can win. So if you're starting a business, you know, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do it. Like we've got to get over that hurdle first. We've got to get you in that mindset of like, I will win. So that's like the first, first phase. And it's pretty there's specific things you can do with someone to help build their confidence, to to help build their self-belief, their self-esteem, to get them more dulled into the business and really get them understanding, get them some quick wins. And we work on that part of getting the business owner to be right first. That's the first thing we do. Once you've got the the mindset right, in terms of um, practicality, do you feel like there are certain specifics sort of specific issues that you see come up a lot more maybe than others like are there are, yep. cer- are there certain practical hurdles that come up a lot with a lot of these um you know yeah, if, we're, if we're talking what, what about startups so yeah. I'll, so i'll tell you the the five things that sit on top of that base and then I'll, I'll circle back to the question so the five things that sit on top of that base is marketing you've got to be able to get out to market and if nobody knows who you are you can have the best product or service in the world but no one knows you knows mm. you are doesn't matter how good it is right yeah <laughs> so yeah. you've got to be out to market you've got to get out to market once you're out to market you're going to generate leads you're going to generate inquiries you need to be able to sell so you need to be able to sell your products or services which is absolutely essential if anybody thinks that they are going to grow a fantastic business with no sales skills you are going to be in for surprise right you are going to have to be able to sell because you are always selling and and maybe even in like you said the industry you guys are going into you're still selling when you say, "Hey, is there anyone else you can recommend us to?" Yeah, mm. that that, yeah. Is, that is your you, you know you're selling the it's right. like a soft pitch. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So you've got to be able to sell. The third thing is you've got to have a strategy where you understand how you are going to generate income and monetize. So you have to have a business strategy that makes you money, so you can create profit, so you can keep reinvesting that in order to grow the business. You've got to know your numbers, so you've got to keep your eye on your numbers, and you've got to understand that. And then you've got to build a brand. 
right? And that brand's really, really powerfully important as well because mm. that will get you better clients, it'll get you better people, it'll help you grow quicker. So they're really the six elements that we train on. Now, what do people struggle with at the startup? Is that the question? Yeah, sort of. Are there, are there, do you find that when you're speaking to people, uh, when you're coaching them, that there are certain sort of issues that you, that you, yeah. you, you, you encounter more than others? Yeah. So the, the ones that I encounter, so it's stages, right? So it's which problem at which stage. So at the beginning, when somebody's starting up, it's all about that base. It's all about getting them to believe. It's getting them to understand that they can win. It's got getting them to understand that they can do it and getting them to understand those basic principles. And of course, then they need a product or a service or a vehicle. So you've got to make sure that their vehicle's right. So for example, a podcast is the vehicle. Okay, right. So we've got the vehicle. We know what we're going to do at least. Right? If somebody doesn't know what they've got to do, they need a vehicle in order to be able to go and grow, don't they? Mm. Right? So you have to establish the vehicle. So that's like the, the beginning stages. Then the next problem is, is usually a sales problem. So I didn't have that problem. So I was trained in sales. Mm. So I had no problem. I, I was very good at sales. That was one thing I had when I started. So the next thing that you've got to do is you've got to be able to sell because you've got to go and ask those questions. You've got to have those conversations. You've got to go and put yourself forward. And if you cannot sell, then you are going to hit a block very, very quickly. Mm. Now, you can only sell so much. So this is where you hit your next cap. So if you build on the set, so you get the right mindset, you get the right vehicle, then you go out to market, you start selling, where are you going to hit your next problem? Where are you going to hit your next problem is you are going to sell through everyone you know, sell through all your referrals, mm-hmm. sell through all your recommendations, you know, sell all your repeat business, and then you're going to be stuck. And the reason you're going to be stuck is because not enough fresh prospects, not enough fresh people are going to know about you. And that's where we've got embrace marketing because mm. we need to get known. So that's when we're going to start to invest in marketing, understand how to use marketing as a leverage tool to be able to introduce us to the next people to sell. Right, so that's the next part that we're, mm-hmm. we're going to grow. So now we've got the baseline, we've got sales, we've got marketing. Now we're going to need to refine our business strategy to make sure that we're continuously lowering our cost of acquisition of new clients and also making sure those clients repurchase, making sure that we're getting the repeat business, making sure we're getting the, the returning sales and getting people to buy more. Right, mm-hmm. So that's really the next stage. Um, and from there, as you grow, you're going to need to know your numbers because if you don't know your numbers, you're going to hit a problem. Right, and that's a horrible yeah. problem to have. And and from there, we want to build the brand. And the brand we build as we go along anyway. But that's kind of the, the challenge is that sales is a big challenge mm. for people. Marketing's a big challenge. Mm. And mindset's a big challenge. They're really the challenges. So somebody listening to this, hypothetically speaking, who's got an idea for a business, who's working in a corporate job, yeah. like, such as accounting, for example, let's yeah. say, um, and they don't really, they don't think they have any sales, sales skills. And yeah. what would be your advice to someone in terms of how do they learn sales skills without actually working in a sales role? So my, my absolutely, even though it's what I do, my, my fundamental advice will be get coaching, get mentoring. Because when you haven't got a skill set, you've got two choices. You either go and buy, buy the skill set in mm. from somebody else, right, which you can actually purchase to work in your business, then they're in control rather than you. Mm. You can partner with somebody that's got the skill set, right, which means that you're giving away equity in the company. Yeah. If you're successful eventually, that equity is going to cost you down the line big time. Mm. Right? Or the third thing you can do is you can learn the skill. Mm. So they're the three things. But skills will always hold you back. In terms of sales, I, I'm curious to to hear your opinion on um, on this because I've obviously, I've, I've worked in sales for quite a while yeah. um, back when I was in corporate finance. Obviously, um, James has, has spent time in, in sales in some form anyway. Yeah. Um, and I think in the environment that I was in, 
I always had that sort of sales ability yeah. naturally. And I think training was really important. I, 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 I honed my craft for a long time and I would yeah. work on different scripts and different methods and, yeah. and techniques. Um, and when I would hire people, you, you, you did notice where there would be some people where they just had it. Uh, and they could improve. And yeah. there were some people who were okay and they could still improve. But then there were some people where I noticed, I don't think you're ever really going to be a salesman and it might be more, it might be smarter for you to sort of pivot towards something that might be more your skill set. Do you think everyone can be a salesman if they want to? Or do you think it's just not So that's a really good question. Like, if you're going to be an entrepreneur you, and you're going to start a business, you're going to be a salesperson. Mm. Right? It's non-negotiable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So if they want to succeed in business, it's a, a bridge they have to cross. Yeah. So if they don't know how to cross the bridge, get mentoring, get coaching, get training, or get a crash course. So I'll, I'll be genuine. When I've met somebody like you just described, that wants to be a business owner, like it is their absolute drive, their passion. They live for it. They want it badly. There's nothing they'd rather do. And you know, I, I remember one guy exactly like that, but worst salesperson you've ever met. Just could not sell. <laughs> yeah. I could not sell. I said to him, right, go and get a job in a call center, ring 250 people a night every single night. Do it for six months. I promise you, when you come out the other side of it, if you can keep that job, you're about to sell. Hmm. And he did. Hmm. <laughs> because yeah. he rings it. Because what? Why can't people sell? They're afraid of rejection. Yeah. So if you get rejected 250 times a night, by the end of the week, you ain't bothered. Sure. See, we were doing that, <laughs> and, we, and we had a guy that couldn't do it, but he just quit. So he oh, just yeah. left. Well, that is your that is the caveat. Yeah. We, gave, we gave him. We gave him like two weeks, and on day, you know, day three or day four, he, he, again, and it's it's you know just a different. He was built different in the sense. That's that he, a, yeah. He was very introverted. He was very well, quiet. That was the caveat. You know? So do you remember what I said? You know, if you still have that job in six months, yeah, you'll be good. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we let him go actually. Yeah, yeah. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you still yeah. have it in six months, because yeah. also if, if he quit from the business side, he don't want it bad enough. Yeah, yeah. From the business side, you don't always have it in the budget or you know yeah. it's you unfortunately this sounds harsh but you don't owe it to them no. to give them six months to no, get good at a job because you're, you you're still paying them for that you six don't. months yeah. which is a, which is the flip side of it so that's a really interesting um that's a really interesting way to put it yeah <laughs> yeah look if they don't want it bad enough if you don't want it bad enough then go and work for somebody there's nothing wrong with working for someone else totally there, there is nothing wrong with that you know no. it's if you go and work in the right environment you work in a nice environment you can actually be better working with like, yeah. there's been times where I've enjoyed working for other people in my mm. early years mm. more than I have running my own businesses let me tell you I'll be straight yeah, yeah. you know and been in wonderful environments with wonderful people in bigger mm. companies and had great time but I've left all that to, to go and do my own thing and that's because I would not be fulfilled personally mm. had I not done that. Mm. So I had to do it. But it really is personal preference. I yeah, think there's a, there's yeah. so much in the media yeah. now about everybody has to be a founder. Everyone has to start their own business. Oh, massively. And, you, and you can't go anywhere in life if you actually don't have your own business. Yeah. Which, well, I don't agree with that. No, I agree. And I also don't agree with this hustle culture mentality of like, you know, every day I wake up at four thirty in the morning and grind for seventeen hours. It's like, yeah. hey, you know what? You know what also helps? Go. See, finally said something. Yeah, that was yeah. Well, it, wasn't that, it was a little giggle. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go full out laugh. I'll get, I'll get him giggle. by the end of well, it. I like, I like the voice. I'm gonna make a mashup of all the times he's cackled at me, like I made you laugh. Um, but, but you know, I think there's a lot of this like hustle porn culture there you know, is, where it's yeah, like yeah. wake up before thirty. You know, do this for seventeen hours a day if you don't want it. It's like you know what's also important? Sleeping. Like sleeping yeah, is yeah, also yeah. important. Like you know, you need to have burnout. As you said, burnout is real. Like it is. Yeah. If you if you just grind. 24 7 hashtag grind life or whatever you'll burn out you will you need to be able to be good to yourself because that's how you have the legs of the marathon as, as well absolutely well there's no point running enthusiastically in the wrong direction yeah 
And that's what a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah that's that's also, it's a great <laughs> line. Also very true. Um, yeah. You touched on, um, on on branding and marketing and sales being your main sort of key strengths and that's where you really sort well, of excelled. Yeah. And and I would say my other key strengths now lie in the numbers and strategy. Yeah. But they were things that I acquired along the way. Yeah. What are some of your weaknesses? Some of my weaknesses, I would say I, I was quite transparent. I definitely, I would say I'm not a great manager, mm. to be honest. I'm, I'm a good leader, but mm. I'm not a great manager. You know, I'm not... Um, but you, I hire people now to manage the people that, sure. that work for me because you know, I'd rather lead the people. I'd rather give everyone gifts. I'd rather do the big meeting and you know rev everyone up. But I don't want to go and see what you're doing with your work, and I don't want to sit. You know, I and micromanage. Yeah, no, yeah. it's just not. It's not my skill. It's not. It's not my strength. I don't think it ever has been. Mm. You know, so that's. Uh, but I feel like I'm a good leader. You know, I, I do care about the people that work for me. I care about my clients, and I love love my clients which is really, really important. But I think that the, the micromanagement and actually the detailed tasks of getting in between the cracks and working on those things is not my skill set. Mm. Um, as we round out, what are, you, what are you kind of doing most at the moment? Have you got anything in the pipeline that you wanted to share about or talk about? Well, I, I think that um, I spend a lot of time podcasting. Mm. I love my podcast, uh, Business Growth Secrets. I've uh, 300 episodes. I've had billionaires on there. I've had A-listers on there. I've had millionaires on there. I think it's a great asset for business owners. So people that have enjoyed this conversation will definitely you know, enjoy that too. Mm. Of course, subscribe to the podcast I'm on <laughs> right, right <laughs> now. But, yeah, but after you're done and that. he's successful. Yeah. So uh, uh, after you've done that, come over to mine. Make sure you subscribe first. No, subscribe <laughs> <laughs> and while you're there, drop us a couple of five-star reviews, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> he is a salesman. He there is a salesman. Go. There you go. It just comes out every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see it. Um, we like to, uh, we like to, this has been an amazing conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, we like to ask everyone that comes on sort of right at the end, um, if there was one piece of practical advice you could give to someone listening who might either have just started a business or want to start their own business, they're in a job, they want to leave it, what would be one piece of practical advice? And we say practical um, because I think, as I'm sure you know, a lot of podcasts focus on things like, you know, believe in your self-inspiration work hard all this kind of stuff but we like to really drill into practical steps you know we've had um, people come in and talk about you know uh, hiring advice or advice on getting your first client and things like yeah. that so there was one piece of practical advice for someone listening. Yeah, one, one piece of practical advice is your business becomes real when you've made your first sale mm. that, that's what i would say so make your first sale as quickly as possible because that will accelerate your journey and that's practical you go and make the offer you know, make a good offer to someone. I don't care if you undersell it. I don't care if you sell it too cheap. Make your first sale. That will then generate your your first revenue. And by generating your first revenue, that's when your business becomes real. It's when you get a taste. Mm. It's like a vampire tasting blood, right? Yeah, yeah. You're like literally, you've had a taste now. You understand that, hey, if you make an offer, someone will say yes. And if you don't know how to do that, go and speak to 100 people, make 100 offers. You make 100 offers, even if 99 say no, one will say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think what you said there is important as well because it's about paralysis. I think a lot of people, you know, they just get that thing of, well, the logo has to be perfect. I can't sell it if I haven't got a logo. And it's like, just like Facebook said, move fast and break things. Just get your sale done. 100%. The practical advice is go and make your first sale. Speak to as many people. If you are not growing your business, if someone's listening to this and their business is not growing, hmm. it'd be because of one or two things. One, you're not speaking to enough people. Or two, you're not making enough offers. Hmm. That's the bottom line. That's all it comes down to. Speak to more people. Make more offers. You'll grow your business. That's as practical as it can get. What a way to round off. Um, Adam, uh, straight into the camera, where can people find you? Uh, Come and and follow us on Instagram at adams.coach and go and check the podcast out, Business Growth Secrets. Amazing. Adam, thank you so much. It's been an amazing conversation. It's been really good. Really practical advice. Um, Guys, 
what a conversation. Uh, if you liked it, make sure to subscribe, turn on post notifications. You got all the info down below. We've got plenty more amazing guests coming on. Huge thank you to Adam for being here today. And uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere you get your podcasts. Do rate us five stars and we will see you in the next one. Thanks. Take care, guys.